There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm Casey. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. Hola, amigos, my woods people. We are in a truck again. I know it's it's something we do often. So there's rain and there's vehicle noise that potentially might enter the mics. But windshield wipers, you know, sometimes you just got to take advantage of a little time on the on the road, a little windshield time. So KC and I are actually heading back from a trip within state. Not out of state, but a within state trip uh, to take advantage of some of the cool, interesting, non-native things that exist here in Texas, and um, we got to do a little, little hanging in trees with our bows Man, recently. In those hanging moments, I was trying to decide what my favorite non-native. In Texas, is when it came to animals. Yeah, and that's kind of a tough thing to think about. Yeah, there's some there's some good ones. Um, I would venture to say it would be you might be hard pressed to find a non-native that has had a better economical impact than the Florida strain largemouth bass. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, overall. You'd say that. Yeah, but I was thinking in the in the furry kind, but. The uh, Florida largemouth is one of my favorites. Yeah, I would I, I would agree on that. Yep, it's a fun one. There's some pretty cool. There's actually some really cool uh, uh, scientific project slash research work that has been done since what the 80s, I guess, um, in involving Florida strain largemouth. Are you that, referring to OWR? Uh, Operation World Record. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of a different deal. But the uh, <laughs> the non-natives of Texas are many. We actually saw something. We didn't really know what it was. Uh, there's two trucks in the convoy right now. And uh, I was in a truck different than KC earlier. And we, we went two different routes. Uh, but now we're back on the same path. And we saw something look like a water buck or a Neil guy or something. There was a bunch of them out there. Uh, I, I almost wanted to think they were uh, wildebeest, but I don't think they were quite big enough. Uh, but it was pretty interesting, something that was gray out there, and we were all like, what are those? Couldn't see them very good, but there was, there's, you know, so many different things in Texas that uh, could be hunted, and there's so many different ways of hunting. You know, I, I actually came to find out about a, a way that people hunt, I guess you could call it hunting, uh, that I never knew about this this week. And this is what's cool. You know, Texas is a big place. So, you know, you could think about it as like when you travel a certain distance in Texas, in other places in the country, you're literally states away. So there are, you know, there's a different culture in Boston than there is in New York City, right? And it's, it's similar here. We have a ton of different cultures, but it's all kind of uh, united under the Texas flag. And... Um, I just I think it's cool to go places, talk to interesting people, which we got to do, and uh, hear some of the stories of the people that they run into. And here in Texas, we have one of the biggest uh, economies in the world, just within our state, and it leads you to deal with you know a lot of different unique people who come from many different backgrounds of many different jobs and different uh, social classes and you run into some people that every once in a while that you're like, man, I don't know how I, how we're sitting here talking together because you run <laughs> in different circles. You, you have boats and you know, you travel all the time and you do these things. And, and, uh, me, um, I hadn't paid myself in 15 years. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, a, a wild thing. And I, I, uh, there's there's just so many ways to hunt things or whatever you might i mean it's not some people wouldn't call it hunting right some of the things that can be done and here in texas it's no secret we have a lot of fences and some of those fences are high um and down in in, in cost and in stature yeah that's right down in the area that uh we spent some time this week we spent actually did a lot of driving we were doing well we, what we ideally were wanting to do is we wanted to get uh, a low fence or free range axis hunt and t- chase after these animals and kind of figure out what they're all about. See what they, you know, see if they're different than whitetail and how much different. And, um, you know, we wanted the, that free range aspect as much as possible. Um, so we kind of were working on that in these areas, but there, like, there's tons of high fences around in different places. Uh, and you know, every, every year that goes on, especially with this like productive as our economy has been the last 10 years or so, you know, there's going to be more and more of these fences popping up. I don't know. I kind of think about, I kind of thought about this a few times while I was down there, but like what happens when most of the landscape becomes high fence? It's kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, especially whenever it's smaller parcels. Like, yeah. You know, when I mean small, smaller, I mean less than a thousand acres. You know, like it's mm-hmm. a lot of land, but in the grand scheme of landscapes, it's a small area. And so, like, 
you literally are introducing false boundaries to wildlife and have isolated populations that have their own population dynamics that are unique and pretty hard to maintain on a small property like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's not a great situation. I mean, because at some point, it may be 200 years or whatever, but, like, at some point, if wealthy people keep moving out of Austin and DFW and buying property and high fencing it, then at some point, there's more than there isn't that's high fence. I think it'll socially regulate. You think? Mm -hmm. I think that uh, there will be some ebb and flow to that sooner or later. Um, I don't know. How... What, what do you I, I guess I'm not falling fully like you think people will uh, like some sort of maybe conservation ethic will yeah or just the lack of desire for the high fence thing I gotcha um, just um, I mean for instance right now you can go to certain areas of Texas sit in a tree and maybe see uh, one native big game species and three non-natives all in the same hunt you know and um if you have a because the uh, original thought behind at least exotic high fencing not high fencing of whitetails and other native game was that we're going to bring in something that uh you can't really find here and have a population of them to hunt because we like to hunt more cool things yeah and uh i think there was a a lot of uh especially with earlier things that were brought over there's a lot of uh, meat as what like the quality meat yeah uh game meat production was kind of part of the deal too not gonna really speak to like the ethical side of that too much you you know dude morals and ethics are so subjective you know there's Mm -hmm there's absolute truth in the Bible and everything besides that is just whatever you think, man. That's right. So, like, whatever you think on this high fence stuff, but we're just telling you it's like this, man. <laughs> like, like this. Uh, that was originally why they had high fence, axis, black buck, all that, things like that, um, was to just have variety in new and unique species. And uh, it was kind of like grassroots efforts. Greg and I were talking about this. The Y.O., you know something about the yep. Y.O. too. You know, the Y.O. is one of the big exotics um, importers, along with the King Ranch and a couple of others. Um, <coughs> excuse me, still recovering from getting sick. Um, and so, like, there was a necessity for a fence to keep those animals in because you didn't want them to disperse and then you wouldn't have the animals anymore. Yeah. Well, now... And you spent money on them or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's to the case to where that actually is inverted in some cases. We saw this week. We actually drove around on a um, medium-sized high-fence place, less than 1,000 acres, and it was devoid of game. And if you had cut the fences on this place and let... You, you'd be letting axis in. Yeah. As opposed to, like, You'd it's be giving access the, to access. Yeah. You're almost keeping them out. So there's more low fence than there is high fence in that particular parcel, which kind of goes back to your point, but also to say, like, um, that somewhat alleviates a need for the high fence whenever there's so many of the exotics running around free range. Yeah. So do why you, fence them? Do you think that, so one of the, <laughs> one of the big, uh, like, optimistic or, uh, big pluses to that the like YO would throw out there uh, to why it's such a cool place is that there are herds of certain exotic species on the YO that 
like replenish uh, the suffering herds across the Atlantic Ocean or whatever, like, mm. or across the Pacific, like they, in other countries where those na- those things are native, they're like able to restock with those animals, or there may, or even just maybe they don't restock it, but like just they know that there are, uh, they're like. Not endangered, but what's the lighter term of that? Um, threatened. Threatened species, you know. Uh, the Cemetery Horned Orcs is a great example. Yeah, and we've, like, in America, though, they're established well or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, and, and uh, Barbary Sheep, also known as the Audad, is yeah. another one, and Black Buck are yeah. all yeah, three right. things that um, at one point in their existence, there were more in Texas than there were in their native ranges. Yeah. Do you think that... Like if the YO points that out, that that's a uh, like a side, uh, like that's that's just like a side benefit to what they actually intended to do. You think they actually in, intended that to be the case? Were they thinking know. that far ahead? I don't know. And, and here we get into the tricky game of who is they too. You know, because right. like um, I'm not trying to say that <coughs> generations previous to us didn't have foresight, but they at the same time, wouldn't know what was coming in the 21st century, just like we don't know what's coming in the 23rd century. Um, but, uh, so, it's hard to say that, but I think that there was not, like, malicious intent with the introduction of exotic species, uh, in yeah. this case, you know. I think yeah. that um, it was like, hey, let's add some more things out there. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. I like more things. More things are cool. Yeah. Um, especially whenever... Well, it's a, it's a productive landscape. Yeah, when they can coexist with natives and it work out okay, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, are they coexisting with natives well? Well, you know, that probably is something that would take more study than what I have time to do because uh, I no longer am a wildlife professional, um, which is also um, subjective as to what you would call that, you yeah. know. Um, newsflash, you don't have to work for a government entity to be a wildlife professional. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I do think that uh, it's, Texas is, is like a lot of uh, clubs or whatever you want to call it. From the outside looking in, you can't make a lot of sense of it, but from the inside out, we can't really explain it, but we like it. Yeah. You know, like. here's, a, here's a quick little, uh, <clears throat> just a brief thing on the YO. It's pretty cool. Uh, it was bought, looks like the YO was purchased um, by Charles Schreiner. Um, in 1880 or so. Yeah, I a long that name. time ago. Uh, in the early 50s, the curator of the San Antonio Zoo, Fred Stark, had a surplus of animals and suggested that Charles Schreiner of the Wild Ranch take some of them to see how they would adapt. As soon as uh, 19, as soon as 1953, black buck, antelope, psycho deer, or sika as we usually call them, uh, fallow deer, audad, and audad were introduced to the wilderness of the Wild. They successfully acclimated to the terrain and were soon followed by axis deer the motive for the acquisition was to breed the animals for conservation purposes there you go pretty cool the effort was so successful that when a short time within a short time animals were being sold to zoos while others were being sent back to their native lands to replenish dwindling herds so cite your source there who is that that is the yo ranch uh dot com pretty oh, much cool. yo shriner dot com yeah 
So, Which you can imagine they're putting a pretty positive spin on things, but yeah, I don't blame yeah. them. <laughs> you can make, make their own story. But I've been to the Wild. It's a cool place, man. It's man, very I historic. I wanted to go back. I went to uh, an exotic sale there, which is pretty cool, man. You got to see – you think going to the zoo is cool? Go to an exotic sale. You get to see way more cool stuff. <laughs> O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Dude, I, I, um, I always like so. For me, uh, I, I shot my first whitetail, my first deer at nine, first big game animal, nine years old, and then it was not many more years after when I started hunting uh, all the cheap sheep species that we have here in Texas, right? Cheap sheep, cheap sheep's. Um, I mean, probably like. 10, like 11, 12, 13, 14, I shot a couple of different sheep. And through that experience, like I was, this was back, you know, when we had Windows 95 or whatever it was, it was just like the slowest moving internet uh, slash uh, operating system on planet earth ever in the history. But I would get on the internet and just look up prices on some of these hunts, you know, And, and back then you don't know what you're looking at or whatever, but like, I just know that I wanted 
to hunt, like if I, so I had my, I had, uh, the way I, I ranked my species was black buck was the thing I wanted to hunt the worst or the most. Axis was the next thing close behind and then fallow. Those were like my top three, mm-hmm. uh, species. And I, I always was looking into like how, how I, could I save up enough money to go shoot an axis or a black buck? And like fairly good sized black buck, I think back then were like 1200 bucks or something, you know? Yeah. And I was it's like, going to be a lot more than that now. Yeah. Yeah. How, and I was like, man, I, I can, I can get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just never, man, saving that much money back then was just tough. I, I, I could have gotten there probably, but just as a kid, man, you just don't want to work your life away, you know? Yeah. So, uh, ended up just never getting to that point, getting into high school football and you kind of, you know, about near have to chill the hunting for a while when you're in high school football and so and then college and then of course uh you know we had the boom of uh the you know of 2000 the mid 2010s that probably increased those prices quite a bit especially then i I mean i know just overall inflation and now you're looking at like what is a what would a black buck, uh, like a good size but not like a monster black buck cost you probably. Uh, when I was average doing exotic work, is about a hundred dollars an inch, um, and I bet you it's more than that now. So oh, yeah. I bet you a twenty inch is going to cost you three thousand to thirty five hundred. I bet yeah. right now. I, I mean, I'm just kind of. Which it looks like we were estimating. we were looking before we came down here like what axis cost mm-hmm. because and so when we talk about cost, this is like to go on a hunt. That's kind of guaranteed, most likely high fence yeah. is, is what you're looking right. at here. Um, there are still some like trophy fee, like free range hunts for this yeah. stuff too, but that's it's kind of like weird, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to do the high fence thing where you're kind of halfway guaranteed the animal, but like I understand the economic value at least that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, the axis, it seemed like on a quick, quick search for. 15 20 minutes was like a lot of them were going from about 3250 to like over five grand Mm -hmm. Uh, and i would imagine black bucks sit in that range pretty pretty similar too um toad black buck out in the middle just hanging out they're real they're real grassland oriented Mm -hmm. so like you see them in the open stuff and that's why i think a free range black buck is so much probably harder to find because they just don't they're a grassland animal whereas a an axis can can get into brush a little more you know the not that they're a whitetail but you know so there's like three i don't know what you call them like standard exotics so there's super exotics and there's regular exotics okay so like the four regular exotics in texas are going to be axis black buck fallow and audad those are going to be kind of your standards um there's a there's a, a below category too yeah, there like is. All the, like all the, the sheep like sheeps and stuff. or, yeah, sure, yeah. or all the different um, sheep. Which some of those are pretty cool too. They are. Uh, we, like red sheep. Uh, yeah, mouflon. You know, like a true mouflon. Those things are, those are a little bit higher up there too. But like Tyler's talking about like Spanish goats uh, and Black uh, Hawaiian, yeah, Texas doll. Texas doll. And what's the Corsicans? And yep. uh, what's the um, uh, the hybrid? It's like a boar goat hybrid with, um, what are they called? Like the stuff that are on the Ibex. That's that's one thing. Oh. So Ibex hybrids, you run into some of those, which is just weird. literally a goat. <laughs> but, um, anyways, so of those standard exotics, uh, they all kind of do different stuff. And I think the reason that, like when I used to work in the exotics industry, um, fallow were treated a little differently. 
and Black Buck to an extent were as well, whereas Axis and Audad brought a pretty nice premium um, because they are the wildest. So Axis and Audad don't really ever um, domesticate or tolerate humans too much. Yeah. Whereas Black Buck, to an extent, will just kind of live in a small enclosure. Oh, yeah. They still don't want to be petted. You saw that toad right yeah. up next to that little house or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Dude, fallow deer will turn into pets. Weird. They're weird. They're very docile. Um, so it's it's strange to just kind of think about, like, the differences in some of these critters. You know, like, the, the, the fallows just didn't really... It seemed like there wasn't as much demand for them back then. Do they come... Are they more docile because they come from a place where they live close to people. I don't like, know. That, like the, the country they come from or the countries they come from are like like pretty populated, right? With people. It's just like northeastern Europe, right? Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I, I think some things just have a different nature about them, you sure. know. Um, who knows? Like bison. You know, a bison yeah. not really docile but tolerant of humans because what are you going to do to it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just a big old sucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, okay, come on. Uh, yep. So, anyways, um, I had kind of sidetracked you there on something you were saying. No, I think you were talking about kind of like the super exotics versus the uh, uh, regular kinda, exotics. The point was the, the of those four kind of standard exotics, um, we were after like one of the more wily ones that I can remember even in the business too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, what are uh, name a few super exotics for those who don't know what that um, means? The standard super exotic would be uh, the oryx or the gimsbuck, uh-huh. as uh, a lot of people would know it. Um, a scimitar horned oryx, which is a uh, oryx that has kind of a reddish uh, nape on it and a white belly, is and has like kind of floppy horns. Is not quite as fancy, but you know you can think of like the. The big gray ones that look like the size of the horse, uh, the ones that you hunt in New Mexico, uh, they call them oryx sunsera, but gimsbuck is kind of the standard name for them. Those are the kind of the, the going super exotic. And then after that in Texas, you'll have wildebeest, I would call most likely a super exotic. Uh, there's kudu. Some, yeah, there's not a ton of kudu in Texas, but there are some. We saw one. Did you? Yeah, at you that, saw it too. At that little pet and zoo thing? Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, there's also like uh, uh, addicts is one I've addicts seen a lot is of. A, is a unique animal. It's a spiral horned but bumpy horned antelope. They're mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, what else is at, there out there? It's in supers that I've seen often. Um, I would say like there's there's weird things like red lechway mm-hmm. is kind of in between. Like more any of those rarity. African antelope can be yeah. can be one of those Topies. things offered. Um, there's Thompson's Gazelles in Texas I've seen. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff yeah. out there running around. So let's take, let's take uh, the the let's just say maybe the the lowest or the I don't know how to I don't mean this in a bad way but the lowest type of hunting as as in more like the lowest economical or whatever the most economical the the most affordable and common type of hunting maybe is either uh locally as a resident of a state um hunting on a property that uh you get permission on or a big public piece of property or something like yeah, that yeah i see what you're saying the and most then, approachable yeah, that's the most like approachable yeah. thing and then you've got these different levels in between right so you've got like 
cheap lease. And then you've got like a uh, pretty average lease. And you got like a place where like if you're on that lease, uh, you're spending some money and you're probably going to be able to shoot a big deer. And then you got like uh, a place where uh, maybe a hunting club on the Mississippi River where like you might have to have somebody die before you can actually get on Wait that this. place. Yeah. Right? And then, uh, you know, there's many more levels that I'm not a whole like I'm not super familiar with. But, you know, high fence would be up in there in this other category of, like, you're spending a lot of money. You maybe even, like, some of these places down here, maybe even, like, bring your wife and it's a wine and dine thing mm-hmm. uh, along with, like, <clears throat> you know, quote, unquote, hunt. And then, you know, this may be, you may go from, like, big high fence places. Like, some of the <clears throat> places in Texas that are high fence are legit 20,000 acre high yeah. fence. So, I mean, pretty daggum near wild you know, as wild as it gets, you know, like there are deer living in the middle of that thing that haven't seen the fence, mm-hmm. you know? So then you can go all the way down to like legit, uh, pin hunting pretty much to where it's just guaranteed, you know, you can shoot across the pin. And, <laughs> and then, you know, I found out about a new one that I didn't know, uh, this week, but there's this, uh, this version of like corporate, um, buying, like bidding on animals. Yeah, I remember and, I was talking about this. I, when you said that earlier, I was like, what is he talking about, the new thing? But, yeah, that's like um, – it's almost like they're taking the middleman out. Yeah. That's a very weird deal. It's like, to me, I think maybe the most, uh, like, far from that first step that we talked about, the most approachable hunting, yeah. is, like, probably the video game style of hunting or uh-huh. whatever, where you can, like, shoot something but not actually be there. Yeah. Um through like a internet robotic gun or whatever uh and this sits somewhere probably under that where like um the corporations are bidding on animals and uh the high bid like sends whoever they bid on it for or whoever wants to mm-hmm. down to shoot that animal and it's pretty much guaranteed you like thing. have a menu yeah and you pick the thing on the menu and it's like okay I'm going to go kill Kickers. Kickers is a 326-inch uh, SCI buck. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you go down there and, you know, and yep. three days and two nights, you sit in a stand waiting on Kickers. To it's interesting. Out. If this makes you, you know, I, I'm not into, like, just hating on a bunch of stuff right now. So, you know, if this makes you uh, feel weird inside, I understand. Yeah. Um, but I'm just throwing out, like, these are the levels of hunting. So the much differences, speaking objectively right? about some things here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying these are these. There's a difference in what you can do with a lot of money in hunting mm-hmm. slash. You know, I, like I said, quotations maybe, and then what you can do with not very much money in hunting, and it all exists in Texas. Yep. I mean, literally the opposite ends of the spectrum exist in Texas, right? So except for the really big places of public land. Well, no, there are some. Yeah. Yeah, there are some. Sam. They're not very great. No, nope. <laughs> they're, 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 they're not. They're not. <laughs> uh, but. It all exists here. And so we have a cool state, man. Yeah. We have a state that has, like, a lot of different uh, things that you can do, a lot of things you can chase, a lot of ways you can chase them. And then uh, we have, like, a huge just historical culture that's Mm -hmm. been around a long time involved around hunting in Texas. So um, I don't know. It's it's. It's something that I, I've been glad to grow up and experience. I mean, as, as much as may, maybe some people don't like the high fence thing, I'm glad that I've gotten to know it and know what it is. And yeah. I I don't know. Um, 
I can't tell you the last time I hunted a high fence place. It was it probably was when I was about 14 when I was shooting those mm. sheep, you know. Uh, but to know them, to see them, to kind of figure out what, if there's good and if there's bad, you know, some of these places, we talked about this a little bit, but some of these places are legit. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously species that can get out of that, yeah. that pen. So like birds, pollinators, some of these things. And some of these places are owned by people who don't need money and they're managed accordingly. So maybe no cattle. Mm-hmm. And your native grasses and wildflowers in those areas are, you know, awesome. It feeds lots of birds and turkeys. And, you know, the turkeys aren't pinned in by any means. And, you know, all this different, these, there are benefits. And private land conservation, would you say, is more important than public land conservation? Absolutely. There you go. Y'all probably heard me talk about that a little bit. And it probably makes some people get real weird. But, um, I mean, Look at the broad landscape of the U.S. Yeah. Uh, you know, even even your most public land heavy western states, like say like a Nevada or something like that, still has a decent amount of private ground. And mm-hmm. you take a state like Texas, shoot, man, 97% of the ground in Texas is going to be privately owned yeah. in some sense of the matter. So, yeah, if you want Texas native wildlife to exist, uh, private land conservation is going to be key. And so with that, we ended up uh, hunting a couple of different, free range or low fence properties um on the strip and one of them especially that we spent the most time on um is actually a really cool property where the landowner is wanting native stuff to thrive and so Mm -hmm. um you know we we got to see some cool native grasses we got to you know see a bunch of whitetails and this is happening on private property. Yeah, this place is the opposite of high fence. It's no fence. Yeah. There's not even a three-wire. Yeah, anything. there's no cattle. Yeah. So, I mean, they're trying to turn this thing back into a very native property. And, and you know, if I'm being frank, it won't happen because <laughs> you, you can't, uh, you can't, like I said, unless you have the fence, you can't keep the axis off of uh-huh. it. You know what I mean? You can't, yeah. you can't keep the hogs off of it. There's going to be hogs, right? But they want to see it as close to as yeah. it was as possible. So they, you know, have, uh, you know, they try to take some hogs off of it or mm-hmm. whatever. And so, I don't know, it's just cool, man. It's like, uh, it's it's different than you think of. Like, you, you hear, you may hear on a lot of podcasts, uh, even within our own network here, about these, you know, uh, state state and maybe even federal biologists that are working on public lands to do, you know, good things. But... You know, in Texas, it's just different. And yep. we're from Texas, and we just think we think about it a little different. And we look at all this private land as there's some cool things that can be done. There's some experiments that have gone bad, you know. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what the King Ranch, how they exactly feel about their Neil guy. They're making some money off of them. <laughs> uh, but, you know. Katie Blue Stem, dude. It's uh, invasive. It's uh, a King Ranch hybrid Blue Stem that is, like, you know, non-native everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of spread uh-huh. right and love grass same kind of thing like there's things that go bad but there's yeah things that go bad on uh plenty of public ground too, yeah you but know? i mean you also <laughs> you know you may uh trim the tree too much in your in your own yard and kill it you yeah. know i mean we're out here trying to do what we can do and make things better and well, sometimes it doesn't always it's um go right depends on how you believe uh mm-hmm. we believe in the humanity's dominion over uh the animal kingdom of the world that we have here and dominion does not mean to dominate but dominion means to preside over 
And part of that presiding is the management of. And mm-hmm. I think it's really cool to see people like the folks that we were blessed to get to hunt their property this week to make personal efforts towards that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they kind of have a personal conservation ethic about how they'd like to see things done and understand, like, the lady is a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know the context of her vegetarianism, but she understood the necessity of hunting and was like, not squeamish at all about us hunting things. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of cool. You know, she yeah. understands it's a thing. Maybe not for her, but it is a thing that's out there. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's just, uh, <clears throat> I think that the, the, that gift and that dominion that we have is the ability to try to make things better. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, try would kind of be the key word, right? Like, uh, we're really not, able to fully do everything we want just because we're you know we're working with nature's elements and nature's uh or natural things and so you just you try you learn maybe when you're 70 your tomato garden doesn't ever fail but until then it might you know i mean these people right here tried to have dominion over that cow and now it's in the ditch you know what i mean it's in the ditch grazing right beside the road yeah not good so in about an hour that's gonna be a real dangerous hazard uh but you know that's i think that that's a that's a cool thing and like it doesn't it doesn't say that you should have everything fixed and everything perfect and have the best you know citrus and the best uh you know tomato garden or whatever but like that you should that we should try and that's what part of you know that's like that's how we're able to to uh glorify through this through our lives here on earth and so it's pretty cool it's a cool process to to be a part of man Mm -hmm. and uh anyway with all that i think we you know can talk a little more about actually the hunt and and to me you know it it started with these people that have uh grown up around this property and you know, having them tell us a little bit about it, going out there and just really like, I don't know, it's it's cool when you hunt somebody who respects the, the property and the wildlife as much as they do, when you hunt on their property, mm-hmm. it just like, I don't know, it brings like a new appreciation for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're not just here to kill a deer. Like, we are, but we also are here to like hunt a property that is like special. Yeah, and that is cool, mm-hmm. and, and to do something that I literally have wanted to do since I didn't even know that I was, you know, that I might be hunting a high fence ranch if I bought a black buck hunt. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, just for so long I wanted to do this, and it's just like a cool thing that I, I, I would catch myself almost like out out of like a out of body experience almost like I'm looking at myself in the tree thinking I can't believe you're actually here finally. You know, you're actually here in Texas hunting for axis deer free range something you've wanted to do for 20 years or whatever you know so it's pretty it was a pretty cool deal we started out um and we actually uh bought some alfalfa hay that's right to do some stuff this little axis baiting yeah um so i have exotic experience with the game capture world and also last year uh chris webb and i came down here and hunted a different place uh and found out that like alfalfa bales really do it for the old axis deer Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in the winter months whenever things are a little bit sparse especially during the drought like we got right now um them suckers will hammer that alfalfa bale and whitetail will too apparently figured that out as well they did some hammering (laughs) for sure that's mostly what i saw uh at the bale so Mm -hmm. um 
you know, also another thing, we may not have fully <coughs> introduced the axis like we should, but it's a it's a Indian Sri Lankan, you know, species yeah. that is a it's about the same size as uh as like probably average whitetail. I'd in say the like US. a I'd say, yeah, like a midwestern type deer. Yeah. Like a big we started calling them bulls because I feel like buck is kind of weird for them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, I think they could probably push the 300 mark, some of the biggest ones, you know. But, yeah. Um, I mean, there's probably a stat on there to tell you what they are. But they are stockier built than your average they are. Texas They're kind of short-legged sure. looking. Yeah. Uh, look kind of like a like a lab that's been overfed a mm-hmm. little bit. and But they're they're bigger than our than the whitetail. Yeah. Because... Our white are kind of small. Yeah. You know? Scientific name Axis Axis, also known as a cheetle deer. Um, yeah. If you if you look around in India, there's like a couple different varieties of the same thing, pretty much, but they're all considered Axis. Uh, yeah. Standard has uh, three points per side, mm-hmm. and they have antlers. They lose their antlers, and they have spots their whole lives, and uh, they vocalize. Yeah, they have some uniquely. cool vocalizations. Yeah. Like, some deep guttural stuff. Yeah. Their antlers are built a lot like an elk. Yeah. Uh, but just three points. Yeah, that's yeah. right. They're very standard three-pointers uh-huh. on each side, as a Westy, Westy would call them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, but, yeah, they're, and they're also, they were originally brought over, I think I looked this up, and uh, I saw where they were originally brought over in the 20s, I think. Um, you just read about this a while ago. Um. Right. Well, no. Well, I don't know if the Y.O. was the first place to get them. Oh. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that, actually. Uh, but they were brought over for game meat, mm. from what I understand, um, as like a you know supplemental deal. So, a- in other words, Axis are a supreme meat. They are tasty. They are a tasty animal. Yeah. Uh, which, it's weird because some of the more common uh, exotic species in Texas are also like tastier than whitetails. It's like... Maybe that's uh, part of the reason why they were brought over here. It's yep. like, you know what? Uh, these axes, these Neil guy, these black bucks are pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should have some of them to hunt around these here. Pigs, pigs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right, man. It's, isn't that crazy? I mean, you'd be, uh, you know, probably starting a pretty good debate on if a pig was tastier than a whitetail, but definitely different yeah. and has different applications. So yeah, yeah they are tasty. Well, either so way. the pigs originally were domesticated and probably were tastier because yeah. of the fat. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, but yeah, now that they're kind of lean, they're a little bit uh, harder to make bacon out of. But <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, the, that's what those the the deer the the axis deer roar. Yeah. And also, instead of doing the blow, if you think a white-tailed deer blowing is spooky, you have not seen an axis or heard one or heard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they uh, they do this high pitched bark that is it's like an elk actually when an yep. elk gets spooked and it is. Uh, it will make you jump the off the resonance seat. or whatever it is is loud. Like yeah. you can tell they're doing it from a large chamber. Yeah, it ain't just like a me. It's like yeah, it's got a lot behind it. Yeah, it and then the roar echoes. is like a roar. Yeah, roar. it's like sounds a lot like a seal kind of, but yeah. loud. Yeah, yeah. And you pretty much nailed it um, every time you heard it. So you thought about maybe calling some in the future. Huh? I would love to. Um, for that'd sure. be real cool. So. Uh, so we are very intrigued by Axis, if you can't tell. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, this is kind of my observation. I won't speak for Tyler, but <coughs> part of the reason is we're at the point where what we know about Axis is to put the food they like out and sit by it, <laughs> which is as basic 
of a hunting strategy as you can really have outside of maybe just like sitting on a pasture and waiting one to come by you know like it's very uh, you know like it's kind of one of the easiest things to figure out it's like hey i'm gonna find the limited resource and yeah capitalize on that so we could gab about whitetails all day yeah comes to axis we're like oh maybe we should grab some hay on the way that's right that's right (laughs) so like i think what's really intriguing about them is that we don't know the best way to kill these things we don't know if you can call them in, if you can rattle them in. And there's, there's going to be conjectures about all this stuff. <laughs> well, this is another thing. The Axis, uh, uh, they have like a peak rut, mm-hmm. but they also rut year-round. Yeah. And, and they also they have a weird like uh, social dynamic where uh, we saw bucks that had the smallest amount of velvet antlers. We saw halfway developed velvet uh, antlered bucks, and we saw hard horn. And we saw a buck that had one side from shedding. Yeah. And, and I that, found a shed. <laughs> we saw a hard-horned buck chasing a doe. Yeah. Like, hot on her. So, yeah, they, so they, they sit the in different things. stages. It's like, it's almost like, uh, you know, pigs, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. where, like, they, they can breed at any time of year. And it's like yeah. the axes are similar, even though there are time periods when more of them are hard-horned. They're going to have some sort of annual schedule, though, where pigs don't really. And, and right. I think that is probably because um, they are tropical deer mm-hmm. so there's not really a uh a natural function to keep them from breeding at one time or the other and and yeah. some of our friends that we talked to hanging out with down here talked about summer bucks which i can only imagine implies that there are winter bucks as well so like some deer will have hard antlers in the winter some will have hard antlers in the summer uh-huh. and so you'll see like bachelor groups right now and you also see single bucks kind of falling does around and stuff yeah and so uh that also limits where they can live um that's why you don't have access like in Michigan, right? Because right. they can't handle. They gotta the have warm climate. Yeah, they gotta have warm climate. So that's why they're down here in Texas. But it kind of makes for a unique thing, and almost like a little bit of a sad thing to where not only like in whitetail, when you're hunting, and a mature buck walks by, he's gonna have a nice set of antlers, most likely, and it makes you excited. Uh-huh. In axis hunting, when a mature <laughs> buck walks by. He's liable to have a one-inch knobby out the top of his head. Yeah, you know? and it's as big around as a daggum softball. Yeah, you know, exactly. Whatever you're like, oh, that was. He, yeah, it was like a month ago when he was a giant. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so they're they're kind of strange in that way, but it's just another unique thing about them that yeah. we're trying to learn and pinpoint possibly when we could uh, expand our strategies mm-hmm. on these things. Tyler, do you have some thoughts on how to do that? I do. I have some thoughts. And you, you, saw, do too. you saw um, potentially. Okay, here's the thing, guys. We didn't have a lot this. of encounters with hard-horned bucks to learn a ton. Uh, yeah, but I think you saw a little bit more from the stand than I did on that front. I saw. <coughs> well, I don't know if I saw a hardhorn. I mean, I guess oh, you're not you, sure he was. The vel. I saw. Oh yeah. The okay. Yeah. I, no, I'm not sure actually that buck was was hardhorn. Uh, the one I saw yesterday morning, uh, I did see a bachelor group of five that I, uh, I mean, dude, I should have killed them. Something happened on the property north of me and spooked them, uh, but they were heading to us. Um, by the way, I think we're going to be able to turn this into a uh, spoiler alert. We didn't actually kill an axis, uh, but I think we're going to be able to turn this into a video because we had some really close encounters and we're... You'll be able to probably see this on the elements. They're dead gum cool. They so are you cool. You should watch the video. Definitely. I mean, there's <laughs> there's footage of of quite a few axes. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, so uh, 
but I did see I did see some bucks doing some different things, uh, and I saw quite a few does as well. Um, I would almost venture, and these whitetail were pretty spooky, but I would almost venture to say that it seemed like at least at this time of year um, that the axis might be a little bit spookier Gosh, than the whitetail. To me, that was for sure the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, hill country whitetail, Texas deer. Like, they're going to be jumpy son of a guns either way. Yeah. It's just the way they are because they're kind of jackrabbits. Like, a, a coyote has a hard time taking down a deer in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but it, a full-grown coyote can eat every deer he wants to in Texas. Yeah. So they just have more natural predators, therefore they're just more jumpy. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. So the first morning we're hunting, we don't know if we're going to see an axis on this trip because this is just a permission deal. We don't know how many are on there. We did see a couple driving around whenever we were yeah, kind of scouting. That's so encouraging. We, we kind of had yeah some thoughts about maybe there'll be some around. Well, in the first fleeting moments of shooting light, I have two come by, and I'm like, oh, I better be trying to shoot this thing because this might be the only ones I see. 
Well, I reach up to turn on my GoPro, and there's an access steer at 30 yards away, and, uh, like, the most she could have heard was my sleeve, like, touching the bark. She comes out of her skin and runs off. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's when I learned, oh, man, these things are jumpy. And mm-hmm. that continued to be the case throughout the week. That's the yeah. same thing I saw over and over again. Now, I think that between my experience last year and this year, the bucks might be a little more relaxed than the does are. And that's kind of how it works with whitetail, too, most of the time. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you can't get away with anything on any of them. But in general, bucks feel a little bit more uh, confident than does do, it would seem. Um, the You know, our good friend Jesse Griffiths, who hunts a lot of axis, um, which he's a chef, so, you know, yeah, that tells you something about the axis. Um he seems he seems to think too that um axes are just spooky suckers mm-hmm. you know and i feel like when people say that it's it's kind of like saying i hunt deer but this you know what yeah. i mean these axes are jumpy so which makes them very challenging bow hunting critters yep. Yep. and that's cool yep for sure and they are uh they will jump a string. Yes. They, uh, you know, the we've talked about this before a lot, but the 30-yard 30, 30 shot uh, on a whitetail is about as dangerous as it gets for string jumping. Yeah, and apparently 32 is on an axis. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. those ones that came in on me early that first morning, um, that first one, that second one actually spooked. Because here's the the long story short here, uh, as Tyler likes to say, which just means uh, I just say because Mark Kenyon says yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he doesn't actually yeah. turn the story any longer, any uh, shorter, right? So um, those two came in. I thought they were whitetails because it's so dark. And then, um, so by the way, there's no uh, legal shooting time on Axis. You can go out there with a thermal and shoot them in the head at night with a rifle if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to shoot stuff both, so that's what we're trying to do. So you got to wait till you can see your pins, at least, to shoot them. Um, well, this doe walks by at 15 yards, and then I can finally tell it has white spots. I'm like, oh, gosh, I need to shoot this thing. So I'm starting trying to shoot them. Uh, and that one freaks out and runs off. Well, the other one is like, where'd my friend go? So she starts walking weird back where she came from and walks out to, like, 28, is looking around. I don't have a shot there. And then she takes a couple more steps, and I give her a meh like that to stop her. Well, dude, 32 macked is, like, as bad as it gets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's as bad as it gets, okay? Yeah. And, it's, and there's zero wind. It's dead calm. Dude, the whole trip. Yeah. Just keep that in mind, y'all. It is, it is really, really calm. So I shoot. I'm not shooting a slow setup, and I'm not shooting a fast setup either. I'm, like, in the low 260s, um, which makes my bow a little quieter. So that's a whole other podcast. But, um. It don't matter. It don't matter. She dude, heard your your sleeve dude, uh, turn the GoPro on. She heard everything happen, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah. She, um, by the time my arrow got there, she had ducked and whirled, and I shaved hair. Yeah. Um, and I aimed at the bottom of her belly behind the leg. So mm. I actually aimed almost off the deer. Like where I aimed, you wouldn't have killed her if you hit there. You might not have even hit her. Yeah. So that's how much she moved in that amount of time. And then I learned um, maybe don't even take that shot because it's going to be really low odds of success, and maybe you have a better shot later or something yeah. or whatever. Dude, but, we were 
what? We were close to killing deer on this trip. Yeah. A lot of times. 20 minutes later, I passed some does because I was hoping there's a buck behind them. Yeah. That's how dumb I am. A bunch of does coming through. <laughs> I mean, you're having a heck of a hunt the first morning, yeah. you know? So, well, I mean. That's the thing. I went from like, we might not see any deer, so I better shoot at this one when it's real tough to like, oh, they're going to come by like this every hunt so I can be a little picky. Well, yeah. That wasn't the case. No, but we, there were several times, I mean, I felt like I was in the game a lot. Yeah. There was several times too, that we sh- I know. You, you, when you're seeing them within 100 yards mm-hmm. and you're trying to make moves on them, I was having a blast, dude. Mm-hmm. And I legit, uh, with the better winds, and this is, this is no lie, we had terrible winds. I mean, like, winds that didn't really hunt, for me and Chris especially, the places we hunted, the winds were not good most of the time. And, and the winds were like one to two miles an hour a lot. We had some terrible, just absolute quiet woods. Can't move your head without like feeling like a deer's going to either see you or hear you from 30 yards, yeah. you know? And so just, it was a, <coughs> that was the, one of the biggest struggles. Otherwise, I'd, I do think uh, if we'd had some decent winds, different decent wind speeds especially we would have been able to kill yeah. i mean i had so much swirling going on where i was at like if i could have just banked on a wind to be somewhat consistent then i could have put myself in the right tree just off and killed but i i couldn't because we literally this morning we sat on the ground and had uh everything from a very much southeast to a straight west also think that Hunting these things out of a tree is the way to go. Oh, yeah. I think they are too keen to be, not to be killed, but if you want a higher odds of success, be in a tree. Well, and one thing I noticed hunting on the ground is um, this property is an awesome property and has some really good native grasses mm-hmm. that are tall. Mm-hmm. Dude, you want to talk about make an arrow go haywire and you didn't even know there was anything in the way. Mm-hmm. So we were, I mean, we had some whitetails come through at 35 last night barely could even see them for most of the whole way through man where we were sitting we could overlook a pasture um of good grass and when the whitetail walked across that pasture all you could see was a head it's wild and the the, and there was times when axis or whitetail would just disappear Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i i'm with you on that the the tree thing is the way to go um i didn't want to be on the ground but with the winds being so weird that's where we ended up Mm -hmm. and and when you don't know much about a property uh, yeah, Greg and I got in this situation. We talked about it. Uh, if you are on the ground and you're just like, "Oh man, if I was 80 yards over there, I'd be in the game." You can do that. Whereas, like, if you're in a tree in a saddle, then you're kind of like, not that you couldn't move, but there's a lot more commitment to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, man, I just, uh, I don't know. That I felt like the whole time the wind was was giving me fits a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the Axis ever found my hay bale too much where I was at mm-hmm. uh, because we hunted it a couple times and didn't see any anything really moving to it. Last night we were on the ground and saw two does actually moving towards it, mm-hmm. um, but we were hunting off of it, um, well, and they they ended up spooking. Uh-huh. But for what I don't know what reason they was they weren't looking at us. I think there was whitetails maybe eating Dude, over there. They just and spooky. they spooked, man. We had a doe come into the hay bale, so. Here's another thing on this side note from the side note of the side note here. <laughs> um, uh, these deer are not used to being baited with hay, I don't mm-hmm. think. So it's going to take them a little while to learn that. And they were finally learning it 
I think yesterday mm-hmm. uh, to come to this stuff. So uh, there's that. Whereas like you hunt a place that's like been baited for two weeks, they're gonna know like I'm gonna eat that mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but we had a deer come in by herself, like access doe. I'm about to smoke. And I'm kind of like trying to coordinate with Greg when he's got footage of it because guess what, guys? We film our stuff. That's why you like it. So don't get you know. Oh, you didn't shoot him. Uh, but uh, um, anyways, uh, she, I'm at full draw. Everything's quiet. Nothing is wrong. Wind is good. And then she just decides to flip out. Like just made her mind up that she's gonna freak out and yeah, run that was off weird, for no dude. reason. It wasn't looking at us or nothing. I had a tree between me and her. That's a doe thing, man. Yeah. So they just kind of have this nature about them to just be spooky. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it's because of the tigers they deal with in India or what. Yeah. But no, it's a. Uh, it's exactly what it is. You think that's? I think, it? I think it's a big part. I of I mean, it, I, I kind of feel like it could be too, man. It's like a. That's a innate thing. That's why the species has um, survived, you know, and existed. It's yeah. Because they're they don't get eaten by tigers mm-hmm. all the time. You know, the dodo bird didn't last too long. You know nope. what I mean? You whack them in the head with a stick. They ain't going to last. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, some of the things that, like, I would probably do different next time. Um, for one, I would, uh, so where I ended up hunting, I think was an okay spot. Mm-hmm. But we, this is, this is, we made, every move we made I felt good about, and we made it because of what we were observing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What we observe, what is this clown doing? Uh, What we observe is, you know, potentially a pattern, or sometimes it may be an anomaly. And so what we observed the first evening is we're driving down the road, and this is is like a middle-of-nowhere county road Mm -hmm. with our property on both sides of it, right? Yeah. We uh, were driving down the road, and two axes go shooting across. One's a tiny little buck. The other one might have been like a little six-month-old buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they shoot across the, the road in the spot, and me and KC kind of – KC says, well, that's where they're going. That's security right there. And I, I, I don't doubt it, that it was, and I decided that that was correct. And now looking at it, I think that there was something in, they heard us coming down the county road or whatever, and it just, they went to a different spot than they would have if they were naturally crossing. I think that it might have been opposite of that. They were leaving security, and they just went ahead and got on their horse and got onto where they were trying to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's potentially something, yeah. too. And I, and so we ended up putting a hay bale right where they went left to you know, go or whatever, and then went across uh, across the creek next to the road. And so I was like, well, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. I drew uh, – I we did a rock, paper, scissors the next morning for who, you know, who wanted to choose their spot. And I chose this spot because we saw access there. I was like, oh, heck, yeah, let's do this, man. There's They're going to be hanging out right in there, you know. There's some good trails. There's an alfalfa block there. I go in there, and, you know, see a bunch of whitetails, see some access the first morning. But I saw both – two groups of axes cross like 120 yards from there and basically from then on every axis that i saw crossed in that same area and i just wonder if the truck just spooked them into a place they don't always go uh they maybe wanted to go somewhere but the truck kind of caught them off guard or something like that we actually had a little bit of wind i think the first day we got there because a, a front had just rolled in and was pushing out 
And so maybe they didn't hear us coming down the county road very well or something. Anyway, um, I, I think that I could sit there for five days and probably shoot an axis. But I think I know that if I sat where I ended up two days in a row on a, on a good wind, I would for sure shoot one. Like a yeah. doe, you know what I mean, at least. So it was kind of like all my moves were, were just – you know, like we always do, we make hard decisions on like on the daily, on the hourly sometimes to try to put ourselves in a better position that afternoon or that next morning. And sometimes you just don't, you, what you see is actually the anomaly and it's not the, the yeah. norm. Well, you that know? was my case where I hunted, you know, you drew first straw, first choice or whatever, uh, rock, paper, scissors. Uh, and I got second and, um, uh, my spot ended up being better that first morning, but I, think that that was somewhat the anomaly it's not a bad spot by any means but it was just where they were that day and then yeah. i continued to just kind of have this same ho-hum not ho-hum what i'm trying to say you almost killed the doe the next day though didn't i did you? but she was the only access we saw yeah you know yeah. by herself so it wasn't like uh just killer spot where this is you know the zoo doors are open over here you know it just kind of seemed that way the first morning yeah um but that's the thing with like we don't really know everything about these critters I do think so. The first morning we had a north wind, um, and mm-hmm. that's the only north wind I hunted on that property. Yep. And I saw a bunch of deer, and I kind of wonder if there's something to that. And it's hard to tell without a ton of yeah inputs. Like, yeah, research. We we didn't leave any cameras on this place or anything. We don't know when we'll be back, so we don't know too much about it. But at least I did see that the morning we had north winds, we saw more axis and then we hunted some south winds there and didn't see a ton so maybe there's something to it but like it's almost like there's no killer spots with these things they're just you're on a they roam a little more maybe they do there's still like bad spots i think like you don't want to hunt the top of the hill where there's just cedars and you can't see you know but like i think uh yeah it's you like they're key in on that roaming thing. If you take a, a whitetail and a pig and kind of mix some of the different like habits, I you kind of get that. They are small spotted elk. I think they are a lot like elk, yeah. man. Like they kind of have harems. Yeah. And, they'll go a couple days over here and they'll go spend a couple days over yeah, there. Yeah, they're real nomadic. Yeah. Which they, that's kind of the pig aspect I was talking about. It's like they'll be here for a little bit and then they'll be over there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just can't really like pattern them too well sometimes. And, and, uh, they also, they also, I think, will spend time in the open a little more than a whitetail will. They do. I uh, see. This is a thing that I think that they really do. That I'm trying trying to learn. You're so used to hunting whitetail, right? So you just find the the thickest stuff that you can still hunt, and that's a good spot to hunt whitetails often. Um, axes tend to like almost bed in some thick stuff, but want to be able to get out in the open really quick and then walk through the open because mm-hmm. they're more grazers than whitetail are. Like how many times did we see deer just eating the dukus grass Dude, that exists? The the five bucks that I had coming on the other low fence property, the the five bucks that I had coming towards me, dude. They they came out in this corner, and I'm hunting like probably a hundred hundred twenty yards from a wheat field uh-huh. from the corner, and I'm hunting on a tree line, and they come out in like 
think of the, the field as going like kind of north and south, this opening, and then there's a wheat field and they kind of think of it as a southwest corner and they come out in the northeast corner of this open field that's just duke grass, like you said. And they go along kind of the north fence line. They're kind of working their way towards me, especially this one big bull is working towards me. And they get out in the very middle of this like duke grass pasture <laughs> that's like at least 200 yards a wide DGP? yeah <laughs> yeah and they just start uh grazing in this doogee this dgp you know and like they're just i don't know what they're eating it looks like uh a mowed road ditch mm-hmm. you know that's just dead grass like dead coastal bermuda or something and they're just grazing it like cattle i mean like to the point that they just stopped in the middle and ate for 15 minutes and hardly moved at all and I'm sitting here we thinking, saw them like, do the same thing. Greg and I were just like trying to like make moves on this group, and they just did little tiny figure eights for 20 minutes yeah. in the middle of something that you're like, there ain't no way there's anything to eat there. Yeah, I mean, with rifles, we could have killed some axes oh, real man. easy. Yeah, you know, I don't. It, yeah, not and, not. I mean, not like I'm not necessarily saying like a big buck or anything. Yeah. but we could have killed some stuff. And I and I know that you're not trying to do this, but just to say it, like I'm not trying to complain. Like, oh. No, no. Rifle hunters have it easy. It's just, it's just the fact of it. Yeah. We, we choose to put that limit on ourselves in this situation. Yeah. And we're fine with it. Dude, it's yeah. fun, dude. It is cool. I, I like mean, being close to stuff. Me too, dude. It's, I like holding my breath for long time, periods of time. <laughs> just losing brain cells. <laughs> no, but it, it uh, you know, I, I do, I guess what I'm saying is the video is worth watching because there is footage. They just didn't quite get to bow range. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if we'd have been gun hunting, we could have definitely put something you know put a kill on the video for you but for the guys that are bloodthirsty or whatever but that's not me <laughs> <laughs> i love going out and just uh nature walking with my bow it's perfect um, so yeah anyway the the uh the dgps are probably a good area to check if you're wanting to <laughs> i think a pop-up line would be sick dude I mean, just go out in the middle of that DGP with a pop-up blind, put a bunch of dead grass on top of it, and then just when they're not looking, just pop up and shoot them. Chris and I did that. Oh, you mean like a like a um, like a waterfall? Yeah, like line. a yeah. What are, what do they call them? Layout blinds. Layout. Blind. Yeah, layout blind. Yeah, that would be cool. A layout would be awesome, dude. Like, what if you what if you had buckshot? <laughs> and so when they take off running, you just fold them up, dude, with buckshot. That'd Dang. be sick. That dude. would be sick. I might have to do that. Y'all don't take that idea. <laughs> um. Oh, man. Sorry, I kind of got some indigestion stuff going oh, on it's here. It's all good, dude. Getting old, man. That's um, all right, man. So, Not as like, old as me. What is, the, what is the tactic that kills axes? Like, uh, is it observation? I feel like it's observation. For us right now, like, we have oh, to for sure. watch and learn and make moves. And Greg and I, I say Greg and I because uh, I bounce ideas off of Greg all the time when we're hunting. He's a good hunter. Uh, he's a good hunter. Um and uh, he's getting pretty spiffy with the camera, too, these days. He is. He's um, been nailing some footage. But um, we tried to sit it out and wait on it to work, and we kind of ran out of time. Yeah. I think yeah. we were in a good spot, and it was worth doing. Um, and so I've kind of had this thing going on where uh, it's like some other people we know, where when you think you might have the best spot, you don't want to hop around and burn a couple others because then you're kind of like getting a little greedy. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, sure. So I'm like, well, I'll just stay over here and it's a good spot and I'll let uh, Tyler and Chris make some moves and stuff. And um, I think that <laughs> this evening we could be there and possibly killing a deer and maybe a oh, buck because if I sat there a week, a good buck would walk by. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't move. I didn't move more than a hundred yards, but 
my movements mattered yeah. because I legit, if I'd have been sitting there yesterday morning, I would have killed a buck. Yeah. You know, if I make a good shot. And this, this, uh, and then last night we sat there and we didn't actually have, we had whitetails do what we need them mm-hmm. to. We didn't have access, access to it. Um, but then this morning I felt really good about it again and we legit should have killed, but the wind was so just, and this was where it got to where it was like last day, I'm just going to hunt a bad wind. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like who knows what it is, but it's not great because mm-hmm. it's, it's southerly and it's just wafting all over the place. And, you know, lo and behold, we had Axis bark at us, like, within 50 yards at, like, 7.30 this morning. <laughs> I'm talking, I legit Elon Musk rocket-fueled out of my <laughs> shoes this morning when that Y'all happened. Y'all can't tell. Every time I laugh, I cough. And <laughs> Tyler texted me that, and I was laughing in the stand, and then I was coughing in the stand. So it wasn't a good combination. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, what I'm, my point is, like, I made the right moves. It wasn't that far, but it was mm-hmm. just – it's those micro moves that we talk about. And that's where I got to. When I got to the point of I moved 100 yards, then it became like 10 yards can make the difference yeah. here. And 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 if I would have sat in a tree that I really wanted to sit in, sit in if they came down the main trail, it was going to be a long shot. Mm-hmm. But where this axis was when it blew, I was fixing to shoot about a probably 30 or under. Thing. If he'd have come out, and I, I was probably ten yards difference, and there's a high chance that my wind barely misses the yeah. sucker. So, and so I was pretty, pretty. Just, you know, it's just those. That's the difference a lot of times. And I was about to the point where I was ready to, like, surrender my good spot to go try another spot. Like, if we were there another day, and none of y'all claimed that uh, boundary that we talked about as like the spot you wanted to go the next morning, I would probably be like, hey, if somebody wants to hunt my spot, I'm going to go over there. Yeah. Because we saw enough consistent movement for a couple days, actually. Um, Because that's where old Half-Rack came out with his buddies the first morning. Um, The same spot, same area. And they're crossing right there. Um, So, like, it's... It's the thing to do right now is to just watch and learn and make moves on. Yeah. So from there on, it's like, okay, how do we do that but also manipulate the behavior of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I did is I went over – so where I, while I was hunting, there was a couple trails. Like these axes went through this big thicket, and then it necked down, and they would like have to kind of go through a caddy corner to get to the next thicket, and that's where I was hunting. Well, uh, one of those trails led them on to the uh, adjoining property. So I went over there and found me a big old oak log and kind of put it across that trail. That way <laughs> it would direct them yeah. over to me a little bit more. <laughs> it didn't work yet, but maybe that'll stay there for a while, and sooner or later they'll adjust their movements around that, and, yeah. and it'll work. So, yeah. like, there's those little type micro moves or whatever that you can do. Uh-huh. But also, this is where I'm going to crowdsource. If you are listening and you're an axis hunter and you have some experience at this i want to learn about calling these things and about messing with them mm-hmm. and if it's really effective and how you have had success doing it so if you got any ideas or thoughts on that send us a message also if you uh <coughs> might like 
by chance have a place that there's a bunch of axes on and you want us to hunt it i yeah, mean i ain't opposed to a message and you in the, uh, might need context a couple either. new pieces of first light gear or something we can work something out you know what i'm saying <laughs> but i uh, got some used stuff at least yeah, for sure. yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't air cue stuff but our used stuff is pretty good yeah that's right that's right ours doesn't have all the barbed wire tears yeah, no, in it. <laughs> no tape no brown stains none of that stuff whoa, um, but, whoa. Uh, he's on he's on a carbonivore diet that's right <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So I want to know if you can uh, bark at these things or if you can roar at these things and have them come mess with you. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you could spot and stalk an axis deer. Yeah, they see well, man. They do, dude. They perceive so. And there's usually a lot of eyes. Yeah. That's you you know what? I think that they're extra. They, so the bulls especially have like a wide head, but they yeah. have like wider heads than, than whitetails. I feel like it gives them an extra perspective. They got like a pit bull type head uh, yeah. about them, you know? And that like, the, so the the the, dif- the distance in the eyes gives them like a better depth perception, Maybe I bet you, man. Dude, I don't know, but they, don't know. they are keen. They are keen. That's for sure. And they're a lot of fun. I'm very glad that we got to go do this. Me thing. too, man. I'm, I'm thankful kinda... for gracious people who. Me too, man. Like, dude, the <laughs> ask is hard. <laughs> dude, you know, one of, the, one of the guys we were hanging with, you were like, "I don't understand why y'all are doing this. Like, why are y'all yeah, helping?" Well, you us? get to know somebody for a while. You can kind of ask them some questions. Like, hey, yeah. man, you and these other people are really helpful. Why is that? And he kind of implied that he appreciated that we put stuff on film and kind of. Um, and I'm not trying to toot our own horn by any no. means. This is what the guy said. And kind of anything to help promote, uh, you know, youth into hunting that yeah. he was all about. And it's not like that's our emphasis. We're not like, you know, the Take a Kid Hunting Foundation or anything. But at the same time, we try to make things family friendly and make it fun. And that's what attracts the younger generations, you know. Like uh, the lone wolf mentality of like, this is terrible and I do it because <laughs> I hate myself is not very appealing <laughs> to Gen Z, you no. know. <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, having fun and going uh, hunting. Is, even is, Liver King makes it look fun, dude, you know what I mean? he is fun. He, he is was, fun. So, I don't know if y'all know I mean, this. dude, even, you know, Liver if you were King, doing it all natty, it wouldn't be that fun. That's you know right. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Liver King has done, gone all natty and also anti-Seedle and was at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru the other day talking to people about Seedles. Let's go. Because he was like, mm, what else can I do that's uh, SEO optimized right now? <laughs> he's not he's not dumb, I'll no, say dude. that. He's a good businessman for sure. He is, man. He's a he's a different shade of tan, <laughs> of, too. Of orange. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Him and old Donald been hanging yeah. out a little bit, I think. Yeah. How are you going to kill your first axis to you, Tyler? With a bow. That's good. Uh, I don't know that, actually, but I would like to, mm-hmm. um, and I'll say this. I found a shed, like I mentioned earlier, probably to the half-rack buck nice. you saw. Uh, it's cool, man. It's heavy. Like, it's a, it's fresh. But um, if I – he's not like a monster, but he's a nice buck. And mm-hmm. if I shot that deer with a bow, especially on just like a free-range, you know, kind of do-it-yourself deal, man, would I just be like on cloud nine, man. Mm-hmm. That would be so cool. Um but my my first axis, if I'm going to give you a quick little setup, uh, okay, here's my ideal. I I would be in a live oak tree, and I would be able to shoot out from it so it's not too gnarly and dro- droop down on the ends with the limbs. Uh, I would have some shots from a live oak tree, and I would like to shoot that axis at about 26 yards broadside uh, using a trail... Because they are fairly nomadic, it seems like, a little bit. 
Uh, a little habitual too. They will and and habitual. I think they will. They definitely like when they go somewhere, they go. You know, and so. It's <coughs> um, a good like thing about axes; them. they move around. Yeah, and I, I would like to think I'm. I would be shooting one that's going between pieces of thick cover. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty good. To Probably me. going back to bedding or yep. vice versa. I'm going to shoot my first one. Uh, on a frontal when I roar him in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> baby I don't know about that baby. That sounds If you talk about ideals That sounds yeah. like ideal to me Yeah uh, But I don't know I hope to do it soon Man it's a It's a neat deal And we're blessed to have The opportunity to go do that And we're very thankful To those who have Helped us with that um, Yep One of those guys um, Being our buddy Jesse Griffiths He sent us a couple Different ways uh, To kind of maybe Get some some help uh, He's not going to do that For you so But he does <laughs> In fact Do something called The New School of Traditional Cookery Where That's he right. does These classes uh, where you do get to go on a hunt and kill something, and he'll help you butcher and cook and learn how to prepare the wild game. Really neat deal. So if you want some of Jesse's bad. help, that would be a cool thing to do. Go buy the hog book because they've got some awesome recipes and cool things in there as well. Mm-hmm. We'd love to support our buddy Jesse. Uh, so um, go just to Just a Dude. kind guy, man. Yeah. He's like just a super dude and a great chef mm-hmm. and very helpful. And also in the same way that uh, we got kind of the nod towards helping uh, kind of portray hunting correctly. He does a really good job of that. Yeah. So good representative man. He has got to be bros with. So uh, remember to be a good bro yourself. Okay. If you know somebody who uh, might need a little guidance out in the woods, help them out. Don't give them your spot. You know, because and then you might not have a good spot. But you know, help them out. <laughs> give them number two or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. It's always good to. <coughs> Eric does sure. lots of number twos. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, golly. <laughs> It's uh, it's always good to try to, um, you know, here's the deal, man. Yeah, it's like it's this. Like this. Uh, there's a real cheesy way to present things. Like, oh, we need to do this certain way, and there's this formula <laughs> to make sure hunting keeps going. But honestly, if you just pour your heart into something and act out of the kindness that is within you, yep. then it's going to work out a whole lot better than if you, like, try to do things for – Social media attention. Passion and, creates passion. Yeah, man. that's it, man. Just show people what you care about, and right. the people you care about, show them what you care about, and it's going to work out just fine. Yeah. So uh, remember to be passionate about the right thing. That's right. And remember, this is your element. Live in it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.